0: Security breaches on all of our social media as well as our emails, where we've had to get tech experts and encryption done. We've had people in New York City as well as like outside states try to log in to all of our emails and social media platforms, stuff like that. So it's it's from it's been from multiple angles. Can you tell me about what measures they used in in that incident? Well, some of the measures I couldn't see. So, mm-hmm. I can't necessarily confirm. You all saw them and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you would have a better idea of that, to be honest. Sure. But from my apartment, I could see um, drones. I could hear helicopters. I've never, I didn't see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could hear dogs scratching
1: at my door and barking. I could not see them. Um, there were several officers in empty apartments across a courtyard, an alleyway. Um, there was officers that climbed my fire escape. There was officers on the roof in the building next to me. There was officers with guns and what appeared to be, like, they were, like, long, angular guns. And then some had, like, their hands on their holsters. So I don't know if they were signers or whatever, exactly what it was. But, yeah, I could see
2: approximately just 25 officers. From your vantage point. From my vantage point. And yeah. then I heard it. Our estimate was... 40 to 50 officers. There was also a hostage negotiation team. Did you ever interact with any strategic response teams or hostage negotiation teams?
1: Yeah, I did. They tapped my phone, so every time I called out towards the end, it went to them. What else? Uh, There was an African-American officer. Um, He was one of the ones that climbed my fire escape, and he tried to do this weird thing there was really several weird tactics. Like, you call yourself a warrior. Like, they were quoted my social media. And then also there was a post of, like, the anniversary of my grandmother's death. And they were like, what would Dolores think? So that was that was a little scary. A lot going on at once. I was live streaming. I had all this going on around me. Did you repeat the question again? I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. We're, we're just trying to get a sense of what was being said in the interaction. Oh, yeah. yeah. So... There was an African-American cop on my fire escape, and he tried to build a rapport with me, and he even said at one point, I'm black,
2: you're black, you can trust me. At one point, he asked, like, can you come inside and just talk? Like, I'm like, no. Uh, and then an hour later, he had, like, a cup of coffee. He's like, I've had so much coffee, I need to pee. You, let, me, let me be rare, come on, bro. And I was like, pee off the fire escape. Like, he was really <laughs> trying to, like, do this whole, like, I'm a good guy, Yeah. What can you tell us about your interaction with the NYPD and, you know, whatever you can tell us about the legal proceedings that have taken place since Friday, August the 7th to today's date? I had an arraignment. All of that is um, public information, so you can check that out. The charges have been lessened. They haven't done a discovery yet, so like any of the evidence that the NYPD says they have, has not been released. Also, we've discovered that they utilize facial recognition
0: in the seizing of my apartment and finding out and verifying who I am. I also found out that they contacted other cities that I've lived in previously to check out their CCTVs as well as to verify if I had any pending warrants or anything like that. I know we haven't actually discussed it yet, but I think it is important to mention that and I know you can't discuss it, but the alleged crime, I guess, is that you, two months ago, screamed in an officer's ear with a a bullhorn and caused hearing damage. Yeah,
1: I can't wait for my lawyer to attack this case, and I can't wait for it to come public, and what that
2: officer actually did to me that day. And I'll leave it at that. Okay, fair enough. How did it make you feel to have 200 of your comrades show up to defend you and I mean, to basically ward off SWAT teams, hostage yeah. negotiation teams, drones as you mentioned. I
1: mean that was very um overwhelming and it made me feel made me feel good. It made me feel like, wow, some of these people care about me, some of these people that have never met me. I have people like on my street now that are like that wave at me say <laughs> are support uh, Warriors (laughs) of the Garden, which is cool. But yeah, having community show up for you, and it
2: almost like rejuvenated me and a lot of people within the movement on why we started this in the beginning (laughs) in the first place. It's heartwarming. It's encouraging. Was there ever a time, d rec while all this is playing out on that Friday, August the 7th, did you ever question what you've been doing for the few months and years prior?
1: Never crossed my mind, not once.
2: What effect do you think this incident had, not just for your your group, the Warriors, but also BLM as a whole in New York? What effect do you think that this incident has had to kind of galvanize?
1: Time will tell. I'm not 100% sure yet. My fear is that like what happened to me will happen to somebody that doesn't necessarily have a platform and people won't view it or, or talk about it. Hopefully that my call to action and subsequent actions... After the incident, we'll encourage people to unite, be more collaborative, share information, knowledge, as well as resources,
3: um, align on demands and and things of that nature. To get into that,
0: actually, because I I really wanted to discuss that video. For people who haven't seen it yet, you put out a call where you're kind of standing on a roof in Manhattan. You, You did the emotional recount of what exactly happened to you, and then you went through the demands that you have for the NYPD. Can you walk me through some of those demands and kind of what you hope to achieve through that call to unity?
1: One of the main demands is for us to have Commissioner Shea immediately resign. Mm -hmm. I think that is more of something that that needs to be done based on the incident, but I don't know if it'll necessarily help our movement long-term, but I think it will be a a short-term victory for us. And then also, we need to look at making police commissioner, an electable position as well, um, because it's appointed. So that's that's one of our most attainable calls to action in terms of my my press statement.
4: And as much as Donald Trump needs to go, and we have led the fight in that from his inauguration to the Impeach Trump Now campaign before Congress would even move their feet on impeaching him. But I, I think that people shouldn't sell themselves short. That America is still a democracy, and when we elect someone, they're supposed to represent our ideals, our values, and our belief and do what's in the best interest of our nation. And I've received a lot of backlash. People are saying, wait, four years, we'll have a presidential candidate. No, I think that we are a smart people. I think that we have worked with democracy in some form for a very long time, and we can get Donald Trump out of office and still have a president, a vice president, a new administration that is going to be progressive, that is going to promise people adequate health care, that is going to ensure that black men and women are no longer murdered and beat on the street. We can have accountability. We can have justice, and we can have what this organization has always fought for, black liberation under an administration.
0: How do you... Balance. I guess this is something that I've been thinking about as I watched the DNC and the RNC is how do you balance fighting for those progressive ideals to energize the progressive base while also showing that the Democratic Party is a Big tent that can encompass everyone from Joe Biden Elizabeth Warren and Bernie you know AOC and John Kasich so that it seems like a less scary place for someone like say my mom, who
5: yes.
4: finds
0: the idea of defunding the police kind of scary.
4: As someone who's ran on the Democratic yeah. Party ticket, I would be selling the people who follow me, the people who believe in me, and just the everyday American person and saying that, unfortunately, the Democratic Party profits and they retain power by our poverty. Now, to address defunding the police department, police unions, which we need to dismantle. Because when we think about the history of policing when it was called the slave patrol. So it's never going to quite work well with people who have melanin, people who look like me, people who are ancestors and descent who are sorry, who are descendants of slaves. I think that the police unions and police departments do a very good media job. They're very media savvy. They want your mother to be afraid. Donald Trump's most recent campaign was about not having low-income people live in the suburbs. It keeps feeling safe in the suburbs because they highlight how much stuff is happening in lower-income areas. I just think that the Democratic Party, with all their resources, they need to dispel the myths. They need to get on message. They need to make things that just want to any of your viewers. I'm sure most of the people follow you. What defunding the police means is more social programs. It means taking guns out of our schools. It means the NYPD not having an $11 billion budget when a school four blocks from here does not have books. That's what defunding the police department means. And we were just on the phone with a data guy. And I don't want to misquote the data, but it's too many officers for the amount of people they're policing. Yeah,
6: officers don't respond to violent crimes as much as you think. So, in order for every police officer to uh, make a crime an arrest for like a violent crime, it would be like one arrest every 429 days. It's some wild, ridiculous numbers, and we're going to produce those numbers for you. But I like to spoon feed people things. Crime is caused for particular reasons right? Desperation, starvation, housing insecurity, and these reasons, right? So if you take the money from the police and invest it in people so that they can be employable, so that they can have the mental health that they need, so that they can have housing, so that they can have better education, social programs that will eliminate the crime you feel like you need these police officers to protect you from. It's very, very simple. If you invest that money in the people, the people will
0: not commit crimes. I actually, since we mentioned the budget, I've been kind of looking at their budget and what everything kind of goes to because we've all been looking at you know the city council vote that was supposed to have shifted a billion dollars and people have had um, certainly some issues. With how that was done. Those are
4: accounting tricks. So someone who was formerly in finance, <laughs> that was just someone who was really well with the budget sheet. The NYPD has not been defunded. And going back to elections, Trump didn't want it. And now we have, we have new candidates that we're all united behind who do not want to defund the police as well.
0: Where would you like to see the budget be reduced?
4: First of all, overtime pay. Then when we talk about ending qualified immunity, how much of the city's budget goes to these officers? Look at the devil himself, Pat Lynch. Um, I think his son has about 31 allegations. Who knows how much the city has spent paying these out? And when you look at zip codes where people are impoverished. When you look at the precincts in those communities, you'll see the history of police brutality. You'll see it alive and well and see how much is being spent in small precincts that govern and have authority over a small area are paying quarter of a million to a million dollars. So that's number one. Ending qualified immunity will stop that. Having kids in our school to further the prison school of prison pipeline when we don't have enough social workers and we don't have enough mental health services, that's another. Giving money to instead of policing and we need to downsize the amount of police we currently have before we get to this place where we no longer have policing. We understand this planet. We understand the communities are gonna to have to change. It's gonna be generational changes. It's gonna be better education. It's gonna be higher paying jobs. These are this is what's to come. But spending that money in the community on gun violence interrupters, things like save our streets, street corner resources, people who have experience and have proven stats that they will reduce crime more than police are just a few of the ways. Now we can also take that and put in affordable housing, which really wouldn't be that much money because most people's problems, which I've pulled and walked the streets of one of the nation's poorest urban congressional districts, is people's biggest issue is where they're going to live. So instead of funding and hiring and graduating more police officers, why don't we build some sustainable, uh, environmentally friendly house? Injustice is wrong in this new civil rights movement. We're not taking no for an answer.
2: Can you talk a little bit more about how BLM, greater NY, came to be? Obviously, we know the story, but it's a new audience, and they may not have heard it to this point.
6: Well... I keep it 100 with you, right? Black Lives Matter needed a real presence in New York. There was an organization called BLM NYC that was a Twitter handle and an account on social media. You looked at the, the marches and things that were being done and the responses to poli- acts of police aggression around the city, and there was no BLM NYC presence. Right?
0: What time were you talking this about?
6: This was 2016. Okay. And um, it was a very unique time for me because um, it was a transitional time. I was entering into therapy. I was recently sober, right? I'm like four and a half years sober. And it was a time of transition. And I started looking at the activism landscape. And you had political activists. And you had very street, I don't want to talk to the media. I don't want to deal with anybody. Type activists, and there was nobody who was standing in the middle who could navigate the politics of it and still be radical and aggressive. And in that space, we created Black Lives Matter Greater New York. You know, at our mother's kitchen table, and we started an initiative called Black Lives Matter. To call, I'm voting until Black Lives Matter. Now, the thing was, we were ostracized by people in the movement. How dare you say that Hillary Clinton is just as bad as Donald Trump? We were
3: counter-protested.
6: Yeah, we were counter-protested by Samalise Lopez and her husband and people who are now members of DSA, right? <laughs> like, Like, people who are now in groups that challenge the democratic structure were protesting mm-hmm. us in 2016 when we were calling out the same things. Why? Because it wasn't trendy, but just like the clothes, just like the fashion, just like Warriors in the Garden, just like the Breathe campaign, right? We dictate the fucking fashion. We dictate the fucking message. Because we are in the streets, and we see how things are shaking down, and we are in touch with our people, and we know what they feel. So we are going to bring that with our platform and our ability to generate media. We're going to bring that to the masses. And now, what do you have now? You have burning people like, uh, I'm not thrilled about this election. Screw the Democratic Party. You have people in the street saying, Joe Biden had better step up and give us something we can vote on or we're going to sit this out. That was us four years ago, right? TMZ, Hollywood Tonight, CNN, Fox News. It was us. NAACP came for. Old black activists came. Everybody was so mad at us for telling the truth. And that was the Democratic Party ain't shit. And they don't care about us, right? Which is the truth. And until they show us other, otherwise these are facts, now it's just more people who think like us now. And it's really problematic because back then, America needed the lesson that is Donald Trump. America needed Donald Trump in office so they could come face-to-face with the racism in this country but now i don't think we can take four more years of donald trump realistically but the democrats aren't doing anything to stop this they're just saying go out and vote because donald trump is the devil that's not enough have camilla and joe biden really went out to wisconsin to sit with jacob blake's family like like come on we need more
5: it keeps the pattern of violence still happening. we always been calling, and if you look at our demands, we've always been saying end solitary confinement. You know, that was something as a collective when we was out there organizing, we were telling people, when you phone back, call your city council member and tell them to end solitary confinement. You know, and, and right now, it's, it's called halt solitary. People should not be in this space. People should not be in a place where they're not able to be a human, not able to exercise their abilities to think to operate. So yeah, I think Tom, I think, did I, did I forget it? You asked me two questions in
0: one. That's uh, why I'm
5: really first not... one was
0: just how, um, how are you keeping sane? Like what, like what is the process when you're actually in solitary? Because I think a lot of people with the pandemic, a lot of people are getting just like a taste of like the easiest solitary confinement they've ever, they'll ever experience. Yeah. And like you said, it's causing mass, uh, depression and, and suicide rates going up. But when mm-hmm. you're actually in like a real solitary confinement where you're just in that, that, Four by six cell, like what do you, how do you keep yourself? Read. Yeah. You read.
5: Yeah, yeah definitely. I think, I think reading is very powerful because it's like for people in solitary confinement, you have to be able to kind of like be in these characters too. And it's, and, and it's like this childhood way of thinking. You know what I'm saying? So you don't really lose yourself, you know? And, and, and for me, this is something that happens with a lot of people who've been in solitary confinement. When they read a book, it's like, I'm that character. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like you, you look around you, you're just looking at a gray wall, white wall, or whatever wall it is. And you're looking at like you, you're you hearing people all day. You're basically trying to figure out how not to lose yourself. And, and you know, in solitary confinement, I also even learn how to take bird baths. You know, where basically you're going on a sink and you're cleaning yourself. You know what I'm saying? And, and these are like if you ever, ever in a human being, as a human being, smelt your your, your most worst, it, it is in Saratoga. And then a lot of these correctional officers can bring what's happening at home to work. These are things that we have to think about. And, and when I think about like, you know, when we look at like abolition or the abilities of ending solitary confinement, it's like, you can end solitary confinement. They are doing it for youth. It's important for us to start attacking violence as a health crisis. We're doing it in New York where the Cure of Violence and credible messaging people are, are attacking violence as a health crisis. They can do it in, they can do this in our jail system. a lot of times fights and riots and wars happens in our jail system because of rumors.
1: yeah
2: I was gonna ask with all what books were you reading?
5: Uh, yeah I can I can get people a list but um I would say with people a lot of it was studies um, a lot of it was the abilities to read about our ancestors right a lot of the Malcolm X books. A lot of the consciousness book, a lot of people who were spiritually finding themselves, or spiritually empowering themselves. So a lot of philosophers uh, was people I was really like listening to, running to individuals who was expressing themselves to like humor. I mean, like, I, I think when you inside, you can find me, you're just reading everything. You know what I'm saying? You're just not trying to lose your mind. And that's like the scariest thing. And sometimes you don't you, to be really truthful with you when the book libraries come out. They're not even handed by, sometimes facilities are different. Sometimes people are are individuals who are handing out the books or correctional officers. And when you got a correctional officer, you only got 10 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Pick your book, hurry the fuck up. You feel me? So you're just picking whatever. And, you know, whatever you pick, that's what you're going to read. And sometimes it might not even, it might not be something you want to read, but it's like, what do you want to do? You know, and what you do is like, you fish for books, right? Like someone who's right next to you, you create a fishing where you have a hole under the door and you create like a string to tie the books so we can exchange books and stuff like that. And uh, some, a lot of times people don't know, people who are just in solitary confinement, we learn how to fish a lot. You know what I'm saying? How to get stuff to us, papers to us, you know, um, anything that we needed to us. An unbelievable experience. And um, again, one that a lot of us are never going
2: to have to endure. So just thank you again for your courage for expressing this stuff and coming on, you know, cause a lot of people have heard your story, right? There's a lot of people yeah. in the country, in New York city, a lot of people who probably listen to this when it comes out who say, see, the system works. <sighs> Look at him. He's an entrepreneur. He's taking care of himself. He's taking care of his family. He's come a long way. He's an agent of change. Look <laughs> what the system did.
5: Yeah. i I'll push against that, you know, because it wasn't the system that actually prepared me for that. It was individuals who was in there. For me, the biggest help was reentry programs that helped me to return back to society. And, like, individuals who understood the roots and the routes that I went through and taught me how to return back to society. You know, abolition, uh, you know, there's a couple moments that I have. I have to talk about it. Abolition is is many different layers. The abolition is to change your your thinking about like what it means for a world to look in a more healthier way and treat people as human beings, right? And then the second layer of it is like to spiritually, you know, look at abolition as, as the way of goal and as the way of finding uh, the true liberation of people. You have to really feel the spirit of people who have been struggling all the, their whole life. And, they, and say, you know what, our ancestors, uh, and I always speak about that, our ancestors are keep pushing us forward. And the third part is the physical work, you know what I'm saying, where you have to do the work and teach people about what it means to look at abolition as a goal, but teach people that I understand that, you know, we all doing this work in different way, but our goal has always been to give our people and the Black liberation of our people. You know, Black Lives Matter is about the Black liberation the abilities for us to be free, for us to move around, to to have the ability to have all the resources that we want. Abolition is philosophers. This country was created on philosophy and thinking. You know what I'm saying? Before this country was actually even created, there was philosophers who was actually thinking about what this country could have been like or what 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 a place could have looked. Yeah. We're not liberating our people. If you wanna play chess, let's play chess. You know, we knew this this was gonna happen. So for anyone who stayed home. What, what can you do while you're staying home? Call your elected official every single day and say, pass ending qualified immunity. How can you become a co sponsor? Uh, I, I tell people this right now your Senate and Assembly right now, uh, Senator Parker is looking for a lot of people co- to co sponsor. Force your elected official who works for you to become a co sponsor of ending
3: qualified immunity.
2: What were you two thinking? And how are you
3: feeling? Um, I could definitely hear that we had heavier voice, voices towards the end of the night, which makes sense. Um, not to say that we, were, we sounded joyous or anything before, um, but you could definitely tell we were exhausted by the end of the night. I know that I was, um, earlier in the day, I was kind of curious in terms of what we would see. You know, we had already seen some, a few crazy things when you first asked us how we felt about, um, what we were seeing, but yeah, I mean, when I listened to the one where we were headed out of town, I was thinking, man, we went through a lot. It was definitely a long day. It was definitely a frustrating day of watching a lot of chaos. So since then, I've just tried to decompress a lot of things that I've that I experienced that night.
2: I'm here with Lucy and Amanda. We are headed out of town. That escalated pretty quickly the last time we had our little chat. So I'm kind of in shock. About what you're today. I don't know if anything stood out or if nothing didn't stand out.
4: It was intense least, yeah, nothing stood
1: out for me. Um, nothing is surprising of what's going on here. Um, just, uh, I have a lot
4: of adrenaline rush right now. Um, Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I'm with
1: you. It a long day. We want to remind the audience mm-hmm. that protest coverage is a large team working cohesively to bring you the most impactful images and accurate information. Thanks again for listening, and please give us a five-star review if you enjoyed the episode. I'm Jay, for Kevin Xavier, and the rest of the team. If we don't see you in the streets, we'll see you next week, right here on the Protest Coverage Podcast.
3: the
5: system is failed us. We're fighting for air, we're fighting for air. Say the system is failed us. Why don't they hear us? We're not going back.
4: We're not going back. There's so many names. Remember their
5: names.
4: The system is fair, but we're fighting
5: for air. We're fighting for air. Since the system is fair.